0: Welcome to Shure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on February 19th, 2023, on the basis of Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from our Lord of glory. Amen. When a conversation uh, goes differently than you, you thought it would, uh, how long do you stew on it? Uh, maybe you went into that conversation expecting one thing, but uh, then something completely different happened. And it kind of uh, hit you in the face, so to speak. And, and maybe you didn't quite know how to recover from that. And maybe you didn't recover. And so, days later, you're looking back on, on that conversation and you're still stewing over it. (laughs) You're thinking about what you could have said differently. You're thinking about uh, how things could have gone so much differently than you expected them to go. Uh, Your head is swirling. (laughs) Oh, I imagine the disciples were feeling that way. You notice our gospel reading started uh, six days later. Well, six days before this, uh, Jesus had kind of dropped a bomb on them. He said, I'm going to suffer I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. Now, this was shocking to the disciples, and it kind of hit them like a ton of bricks. Ministry was going really well for them. Uh, Life was going well for them. Yeah, they they had a few enemies. They, They had enemies in the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but they were doing so many good things. Droves of people were coming to hear this great rabbi teach about the kingdom of God. A bunch of people who had all kinds of ailments and even demon possession were coming and they were being healed. Life was, was really good, ministry was good, and, and it's hard to blame the disciples for thinking it would go in any other direction than, than good. Now, Peter certainly didn't believe it. In the words, just before our text, six days before the, the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus predicted his death, Peter, the the great protector, the security of our Lord, uh, he stands up and he says, Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. Not not if Peter has anything to do with it, right? And, And if the disciples, if they didn't remember Jesus' predictions, they certainly remembered, they had to remember how Jesus responded to Peter. Peter says, Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus looks at Peter, you remember what he says? get behind me satan you are a stumbling block to me you do not have in mind the concerns of god but merely human concerns and then jesus proceeds to tell the disciples how they too will have to bear a cross for 6 days the disciples had been stewing on this and it's hard to it's hard to blame them for being a little confused uh, It's easy to understand that after hearing what they they heard, they might have a little pause (laughs) as to what the future holds for them. Hearing about a cross, that's never an easy thing. Uh, It's not an easy thing for us either. You know, Jesus said that we'll have to bear a cross too. And who who wants to bear a cross? Uh, A cross means pain and suffering, Uh, a cross crushes the person who's bearing it. A cross bloodies the person who's who's bearing it. Shouldn't the cross be reserved for somebody who is despised, somebody who is wicked? Yet Jesus says, we will bear a cross. The disciples will bear a cross, we'll bear a cross. And in fact, he insists on it. Again, in, in Matthew 16, just before this section, he says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. If you want to get rid of the cross or live life without the cross, you can. Life will be easy, life will be comfortable, but you'll lose life that is truly life. But uh, for those who do bear the cross, uh, they will gain life that is truly life, that is life with Jesus, life that lasts for eternity. Uh, We could stop there and you could stew on that for another six days and we could talk more about this next week. (laughs) The disciples were. They had all of these thoughts swirling around their head and Matthew doesn't record anything in those six days. Uh, Maybe because they were stewing on these things. Uh, Until this story on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus takes with him three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on this mountain to pray. That, That was not that unusual for Jesus to go up onto a mountain to pray. And he takes with him Peter, James, and John. Now some have Uh, suggested Peter, James, and John, they were the ones chosen because they were Jesus' inner circle, right? Um, Others have said, well, Peter, James, and John were the ones who needed the most training, so that's why they were brought with. Uh, We have Peter, who who likes to talk first and listen later, and and you have the two Thunder boys, uh, James and John, the sons of Thunder. Remember, they were the ones who wanted to call down fire on a whole city. They maybe had some learning to do. I'm going to suggest a third possibility, but we'll get to that in a bit here. So Jesus takes them up on a mountain to pray. Uh, it seems like it's at night. In a different account, it says that they were, were tired. When all of a sudden, Jesus is transfigured before them. Now, that word transfigured, it's not really a word we use too much. Maybe you can kind of get the sense from, from that, that word, but it's to change form. That's really what it means. You'd use the same word to talk about a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, uh, Jesus changed form. He, he was in his lowly state of humiliation. He looked just like you and me, uh, no different. Uh, yet now he changed form. Now he was in his exalted body. He had his full glory. And for the first time, the disciples saw that full glory. They saw, they saw the, the full divinity revealed with, within him. And for the disciples, that had to be so cool. You know, they undoubtedly believed that Jesus was who he said he was. I have no doubts there. But now they got to see it. They got to see it with their own eyes. That hidden within his lowly body was the fullness of God. This is awesome. And to add to that, then Moses and Elijah show up on either side of, of Jesus. The two greats of the Old Testament. The great lawgiver and the great preacher and prophet of the Old Testament. And they're there speaking with Jesus. Just, just picture that, that scene for a second. Uh, on a mountain at night, this is all so bright, and Moses and Elijah on either side of Jesus talking with him. It's a remarkable scene. Yet what makes it probably even more remarkable, as you, you contemplate that a bit, is what Moses and Jesus and Elijah were all talking about. Now, uh, this is recorded in Luke, too, this section. And Luke uh, records the detail of what they were talking about. Luke says this, They spoke about Jesus' departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So here's Jesus with Moses and Elijah, the two greats of the Old Testament, Jesus in all of his glory, and what is he talking about? (laughs) He's talking about the cross. He's talking about the suffering and the the death that he is about to endure. And as this conversation is going on, Peter interrupts. Don't you just love Peter? Uh, He's he's such a faithful follower of Jesus, but he is so predictable here. He is so predictable that he speaks instead of listening. It would have been a great time to just sit and listen to this conversation, this holy conversation going on, to sit and take it all in. But Peter interrupts, yet what he suggests is, is understandable, isn't it? He wants to just stay here on this mountain, in this glory, for just a little bit longer. This had to be one of the best days of, of Peter's life. And so he suggests, uh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Uh, if you wish, I will set up uh, three tents. One for, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And, and honestly, uh, a lot of times we like to rag on Peter, but we'd probably be saying the same thing in that circumstance. We'd want to stay on that mount of glory too. Just prolong that moment just a little bit, a little bit longer there. In fact, there's a lot of uh, us, not not just a part, but a lot of us that would love the glory without the suffering. We'd love the glory without the cross. Yet if you learn something from Matthew 16 into Matthew 17 here, is that the cross and the glory are so intimately connected. The cross and the crown are most intimately connected. Here Jesus is in all of his glory. And what's he talking about? He's talking about the cross that he's about to bear. He's talking about the pain and suffering that he is going to go through. No No matter how badly Peter wanted to stay on that mountain, no matter how badly Peter wanted to protect Jesus from anything bad that would happen to him, Jesus wanted to pick up that cross for Peter. Jesus wanted to pick up that cross for you, because your true glory will be found through Jesus' suffering. Well, Peter is probably even still speaking when a cloud covers Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, and then a voice comes from heaven, the voice of the Father that says, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, listen to him. You know, if the disciples weren't convinced already by seeing the full glory of, of Jesus that this was the Son of God, now they knew for sure. Jesus was who he said he was. He, he was and is the Son of God. That's who the disciples had their faith in. That's who your faith is in. Your faith isn't in some random guy that that spoke some profound things a while ago that have you know, some, somewhat been passed down from generation to generation. Your faith is not in some guy that pulled off a few miraculous signs that people still talk about. Your faith is in the Son of God. And no one else would do. The Son of God who came to bring glory to earth, but not this bright, flashy glory, but he came to bring glory to you through his suffering. Well, at this point, the disciples are face down, in the dirt. The holy voice of God was too much for sinful guys like them. And then they look up and they see just Jesus. And I think if there was a verse that would categorize someone's life, it would be that one, right? I love it in a few different translations here. In the NIV that we read, it said, they saw no one except Jesus. The ESV is the one I love the most. It says, they saw no one but Jesus only. Wouldn't that be a great bumper sticker, right? Wouldn't that be a, a great way to live your life? See no one except Jesus only. The disciples were going to need that. They were going to need to see Jesus only and see him for who he really was because when they came down from that mountain, they were headed to Jerusalem. When they came down from that mountain, everything in Matthew chapter, that, that Jesus predicted in Matthew chapter 16 was going to to happen, and to the disciples that was going to seem like sheer chaos. The disciples were going to be sorely tested they were going to be sorely tempted by the devil, and many of them were, were going to have their weakness weaknesses very or shown and they were going to be very obvious to them and everyone else. Maybe a great example of that that springs to mind is the Garden of Gethsemane right Jesus is in the, was in the upper room with his disciples, they celebrate the Passover, Jesus instituted the Last Supper, he identified his betrayer, and then they leave. They sing a hymn and they go out to the Mount of Olives, and on the Mount of Olives was the Garden of Gethsemane. He had taken his disciples with him, uh, the 11 of them, minus Judas, of course, um, and into the inner part of the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes three guys. You know who those were? Peter, James, and John. The same three guys that saw him in his glorified state. The same three guys that that knew for certain that he was the son of God. Those were the same three guys that Jesus would turn to and say, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Could it be that Jesus allowed them to come up that mount of transfiguration because he knew what they would experience in the days and weeks to come? Could it be that, that Jesus knew they needed to, to, to be certain that he was the, the Son of God who had the fullness of the divinity in him so that when they saw him in, in his most humiliated form, when they saw him going through the, his, the most pain that anyone has probably ever experienced ever, that they would know that this in fact is the Son of God who came to bring glory through his suffering those three disciples had a unique experience that certainly didn't make life easy for them um, in those days or in the, the days to come. Uh, there were still going to be fierce battles for them, battles against the devil, the world, battles against their sinful nature, battles that they would lose. There's well, a lot of battles for you too. Not much has changed for Jesus' disciples, for, for his followers. You have some fierce battles that you've dealt with against the world, the devil, your sinful nature. Uh, in fact, for, for a lot of you, maybe all of you, uh, some of your fiercest battles maybe are still ahead of you. Uh, some, some of those battles you've lost. Some of those battles you, you will lose. But Jesus never lost. Jesus won the victory. Uh, imagine the comfort the disciples would have had if they just held on to that truth. Now, of course, as they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead yet. But did you catch what he said to them as they were walking down? He says this, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Imagine the comfort they could have carried with them in those those really hard days, in in those days of Holy Week when Jesus is nailed to the cross. If they would have held on to the truth that Jesus would be raised from the dead. And he didn't just say it here, he said it multiple times to them. They would have had so much comfort holding on to that. Now, now, maybe they didn't hold on to it during that time. They seemed pretty scared, so it maybe seems like they, they didn't. Uh, but after Jesus had been raised, no doubt they held on to the fact that he had been raised, that that, that was their comfort throughout life. In that way, what a great way to, to enter into the season of Lent, Right? The season of Lent, where, uh, where, we're, where it's a very penitential season. We're, we're intently focused on our own sin, our great needs, and, and our profound weaknesses. Yet every time we enter into the season of Lent, we know how Lent ends. It ends with a celebration at, at Easter. Just like we know that after every confession comes an absolution. That's the confidence that we have in Christ, that, that we get to approach not just the Lenten season, but our whole life knowing that Jesus has been raised and because he has been raised, we are victorious. Victorious through Jesus only. So, God grant that, that we see Jesus only as we enter into this Lenten season and, and always. Amen. Hi, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's always great to grow in God's word together. Could I issue you a challenge for this week? Could you invite someone else to listen to this? Uh, These days in the 21st century, it's pretty easy uh, to invite somebody just to to listen to a sermon. It's very non-threatening. So please take this challenge and see if you might just be able to get one more person to hear about Jesus' love for them. And we hope you'll tune in next week for another sermon from God's Word.